Hello, everyone. Welcome to the Gospel Project for Adults Weekly Leader Training Podcast. I'm Ken Braddy. I'll be your host today, and I'm thankful that you've uh, tuned in. We're talking today about session number two in unit number six, which makes this, this lesson the one that we'll teach on February the 13th, 2022. Uh, this particular Bible study is titled An Unfaithful Prophet, and it's coming out of the book of Numbers, chapter 20. Now, before I jump into the uh, review of our upcoming study, I wanted to go ahead today and start out with a teaching tip. I thought that might be something to, uh, to do with you today. I did it in some earlier podcasts, but let me go ahead and I'm going to start it uh, like this today so that I don't run out of time at the end and can give you something that you can use in your group. So do you have an over talker in your group? Most of us do. And I've taught several adult groups, and in every one, there was always a person or two that really kind of dominated the conversations that you know took place, uh, the questions that were asked, and then sometimes they would just uh, go to town and not give anybody else a word in edgewise. So I've got some thoughts for you, ways to deal with your over-talker in the group, and there are four things you can do. So here we go. Number one, call on specific people to answer questions. So if you've got an over-talker in the group, just quickly shift that teaching strategy and ask a specific person to ask to answer a question. Uh, and by doing this, uh, you know, by saying something like, hey, Bill, would you respond to uh, question number two here? Instead of saying, you know, to the group, how, how would you guys respond to this? And that over-talker jumping in, call on somebody specific, and that way you can block that over-talker from jumping in and just, you know, hogging the uh, answers for the questions that you throw out. So here's a second tip. Uh, enlist that talker to answer assigned questions. And so if you do have that person that is always, you know, just answering everything, pre-enlist them before the Bible study to answer a couple of questions. You might even say something like this, you know, hey, John, uh, that'd be the over-talker. Hey, I value your input uh, during our group discussion. Would you be prepared to answer questions number one and five this coming week? And by doing that, you're limiting uh, the number of uh, questions that they're going to jump in and, uh, and provide an, a response to. And it should signal to that person that you're trying to allow other people the opportunity to answer those other questions, the other questions. Here's a third tip with the overtalker. Interrupt the, uh, the overtalker and then apologize, right? <clears throat> so if your talker just won't let go of the reins, uh, you may have to gently interrupt that person and say something like, hey, John, uh, thanks for sharing your thoughts with us, and I really appreciate your insights, but I'd love to hear how some others are thinking how, how you would respond to this question. Uh, and group, what do you have to say about you know, what we're discussing here? And you just throw it back out to the bigger, the bigger group. And then here's the hard one. This is the last tip, and then we'll move into uh, our Gospel Project session for this week. Uh, but the fourth and final tip to deal with that overtalker is to take them out for some coffee and confrontation. And that's the hard one. You know, if that person just insists on continuing to dominate the group, it's time to sit down and have that, that hard face-to-face -face conversation. And uh, this is really a, a true measure of your leadership ability. You know, kindly confronting that uh, over-talker, it can be intimidating, right? Uh, and you want to find uh, you want to find a way to deal with it rather than just simply ignoring the situation. But to grow as a leader, you've got to gain uh, grow in your ability to uh, to manage the more difficult people, and it's just a part of that process. And so let that overtalker know that 
although you value them and their contributions, they are keeping others from fully participating. And be sure to end this difficult conversation with a very heartfelt thank you to the overtalker for regularly speaking up in the group study. Tell them how they've made a difference in the group and, and how they have encouraged others to more fully join the conversation. And, uh, and if you go that route, I think that you'll be able to uh, maintain that friendship and, and they won't feel like they're being asked to leave the group or uh, they won't be embarrassed you know, to come back and, uh, and participate. So those are the four ways you can deal with that over talker. Now, let us move and uh, talk about our session coming up on February the 13th, session number two in this last unit of study before we turn the corner into spring and our spring studies that will lead us into Easter. This one coming up is titled An Unfaithful Prophet. And uh, like all of our sessions, this one's divided into three sections. Uh, the first one is unfaithfulness leads to a pattern of sin. The second, unfaithfulness results from a failure to trust God. And then third and final section, unfaithfulness brings the judgment of a holy God. Now, what will the group learn? Well, they're going to learn that the unfaithfulness of people always comes at a great cost, and that cost is the judgment of a holy God. How will the group see Christ in this study? God judged the unfaithfulness of his people, including their leader, Moses. Jesus, the Son of God, who was completely faithful to the Father, he was judged in our place so that all who place their faith in him will be saved. Now, how should the group respond because of the Bible study? Well, because we have experienced the good provision of God in Jesus, we strive to trust him no matter our circumstances, knowing that he works all things for his glory and for our good. Well, in uh, the, uh, as this lesson opens, just remember where we've been. Uh, because Israel had rebelled and they had refused to enter and conquer the promised land, as God had said, then they were punished with 40 years of wandering in the wilderness. Uh, one year for every day the spies were in the land, and that generation was condemned to die in the wilderness outside of the promised land. But the next generation would claim the land by God's grace, and still the people continued to succumb to discontent and disobedience, a failing that affected their leaders as well. Well, here is the first point in this lesson. Unfaithfulness leads to a pattern of sin. And this is coming from Numbers 20, verses 1 through 5, so a short section to deal with. Here's what the scripture says. The entire Israelite community entered the wilderness of Zen in the first month, and they settled in Kadesh. Miriam died and was buried there. There was no water for the community, so they, as they assembled against Moses and Aaron. The people quarreled with Moses, and they said, If only we had perished with our brothers when our brothers perished before the Lord. Why have you brought the Lord's assembly into this wilderness for us and our livestock to die here? Why have you led us up from Egypt to bring us to this evil place? It's not a place of grain, figs, vines, and pomegranates. And there's no water to drink. Well, this passage marks the beginning of the last of Israel's three travel narratives from the Exodus to their entry into the promised land 40 years later. Similarities can be seen in all three of the narratives. There were battles with enemies, complaints about the lack of food and water, and the subsequent miraculous provision of those resources and the persistent need for faith, and the significant role of Israel's leaders. 
Now, on the basis of their statue or status as God's chosen people, uh, the Israelites challenged Moses once again, blaming him for uh, the circumstances that they found themselves in. Their complaints echoed those that they expressed previously in Numbers chapter 14 when the spies returned with a pessimistic report about the land that was promised to them. They were a chosen people, yet they had immense distrust of the one, that's capital O, that's God, of the one who had chosen them. And their perpetual unfaithfulness had hardened into a pattern of sin and rebellion against their Redeemer. The Israelite people, they were just so steeped in their own unfaithfulness and their perceived misfortune that they did not see the bigger picture anymore. God was graciously dropping hints of his ongoing and future provision, yet his faithfulness was ignored on account of Israel's recurring sin and their abiding unfaithfulness. Does that sound like anyone in your group? Does that sound like people that we may know that just continually grumble and they are persistent in their rebellion against their Redeemer? God who is providing for them in so many ways that they have just lost sight of those, those facts. Well, the second part of your lesson, again, has a, a medium-sized number of scripture verses. I'm very pleased this week uh, that we've not overloaded you. And the second section is titled, Unfaithfulness Results from a Failure to Trust God. This is from Numbers 20, and it's verses 6 through 11. Here's what the Bible says. Then Moses and Aaron went from the presence of the assembly to the doorway of the tent of meeting. They fell face down, and the glory of the Lord appeared to them. The Lord spoke to Moses, take the staff and assemble the community. You and your brother Aaron are to speak to the rock while they watch, and it would yield its water. You will bring out water for them from the rock and provide drink for the community and their livestock. So Moses took the staff from the Lord's presence, just as he had commanded him. Moses and Aaron summoned the assembly in front of the rock. And Moses said to them, listen, you rebels, must we bring water out of this rock for you? And verse 11 says, then Moses raised his hand and struck the rock twice with his staff so that abundant water gushed out and the community and their livestock drink. Now, in this part of your Bible study, uh, we're introducing your group to essential doctrine number 36. Remember, we've got 99 essential doctrines that we're covering over the course of a three-year journey from Genesis to Revelation. And in this week's lesson and in this section, uh, we're covering essential doctrine 36 of 99. And the title of this doctrine is Sin as missing the mark. And I know that you're going to want to stop and camp on this just for a moment, because we find here in these passages, uh, this idea that people are sinning, they are missing the mark in what God had laid out for them, uh, the kind of people that they were to be, the kind of obedience that they were to show. So make sure that you, that you take a look at that as you're preparing your Bible study. You know, the Lord's instructions here, folks, they were very specific, right? Moses and Aaron were to speak to the rock while the people watched. Now, this was a different method 
from what the Lord had prescribed in Exodus 17, verse 6, in which Moses was commanded to strike the rock. And through the mere use of words only, at the Lord's command, water was supposed to have flowed uh, for the people and their livestock to drink and to live. Now, not only did Moses refuse to speak to the rock first, he refused to speak to the rock at all. And in his anger with the people, the Bible says he struck the rock twice with his staff. And unfortunately, here we see a sign of his rebellion against God. And it's going to have consequences for Moses, right? We'll, we'll see that here uh, shortly. Well, your third and final section of the lesson this week is titled, Unfaithfulness Brings the Judgment of a Holy God. And just a couple of verses, Numbers 20, verses 12 and 13. And here's what this says here. The Lord said to Moses and Aaron, because you did not trust me to demonstrate my holiness in the sight of the Israelites, you will not bring the assembly into the land that I have given them. These are the waters of Meribah, where the Israelites quarreled with the Lord, and he demonstrated his holiness to them. So there's a great discussion question that is going to come up in this part of your study. And the discussion question goes like this. Why does God's severe discipline of Moses and Aaron not sit well with many of us? I would encourage you to divide your group into groups of three or four, those triads or quads. Let them chew on this. Let them answer this. Maybe have one person act as a scribe and jot down some of the group's insights and then have them share those, all the groups in, within your group. You know, just give them a moment to uh, share a couple of insights. Uh, why uh, does the Lord's severe discipline of Moses and Aaron not often sit very well with us? I think you'll be amazed at what they come up with. You know, they may say, well, it seems unfair given the faithfulness that these men had shown over the years. Or they may say, well, their sin doesn't seem to compare to the complaining of the people, you know, who would ultimately go on to inherit the promised land. And so uh, let them chase that down just for a moment. You know, uh, I think what you're going to find here is that uh, the people are going to come up with some great answers to, to that question as they process you know, what was taking place uh, when the Lord was uh, extending his judgment to Moses and to Aaron. You know, we need to remind our folks that his demonstration, God's demonstration of his holiness here, it foreshadows two important elements of the gospel. Sin must and will be punished by a holy God, and yet God still offers grace to discontent sinners. He accomplishes both of these holy expectations through the person and the work of his son, Jesus Christ. Well, as I have reminded you before, once you work your way through the Bible passages, in your Bible study, it gets to the point that we have to help our people decide how do they live out what they have just discovered and learned. And we have a, a wonderful section at the end of each of these studies titled My Response. And in this section, we are suggesting three different ways for your people to respond. One is a head response. That's something to know, a heart response, something to believe, and then a hands response, that's something to do. But I, I thought that in these three, uh, one in particular was really, really good. 
and uh, and it's the head response. And there's a question that is is given here for you to ask the group to uh, to respond to and to think about. And if I were leading your group, if I was leading the group this week, this is what I, how I would I would uh, phrase this and how I would use this at the end of the study. I would ask this question. It's on page 136 in your leader guide. In what areas of life are you struggling to trust God? Because quite honestly, folks, we all have an area where we're struggling, you know, to fully trust the Lord. And then it says to confess these to God in prayer right now. I could lead my group to first identify those areas. They don't have to share those with anybody in the group, just to identify them privately. And then I could lead them in a moment or two of directed prayer where, where I am giving them instruction as to how to confess that to the Lord. They'll, they'll, they'll do it quietly. They're not going to pray out loud and let everybody know, you know what their struggles are. But that would be a great way to help them begin to respond to and process what they've discovered. Now, as you turn and get to the very back of your lesson this week in your leader guide, uh, in the extra section, uh, we've done something we normally don't do, but we, we have included three different uh, fairly weighty paragraphs of commentary, extra commentary to help you unpack the scriptures that you're going to be studying. And there are three really great illustrations here as well. So three sections of commentary, three extra sections of illustrations that you can use to either open or close the session out, or maybe you'll use one of those you know, while you're studying, your group studying. But don't miss that. Don't just uh, you know look at the teaching plans and, and then move on. Check out the extra section and see what you can glean there that will help you build an even better Bible study. Well, thank you for being with me uh, for this week's uh, edition of the Gospel Project for Adults Weekly Leader Training Podcast. Uh, think that you're going to have a great lesson here, an unfaithful prophet. And next week, as we uh, gather together, we will look at session number three, an ungrateful people. So we're looking at the unfaithful prophet this coming week. But then after that, we'll turn our attention uh, to an ungrateful people from Numbers 21. I look forward to having you back for that as we continue our trek in this winter quarter and looking forward to the spring quarter that's just around the corner as we turn our attention to uh, the sessions that will start in March. So look forward to having you back. I'm Ken Braddy, the director of Sunday School at Lifeway. Thanks again for being with me, and I'll see you next time.